section three of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter three my father's house send me not thence dishonoured but to wealth to greatness raised sophocles it was on a lovely evening that the travellers reached their destination near the western coast of scotland the air was soft and the setting sun shed his purple light on the mountains which formed the background of the rossville domains the approach wound along the side of a river which possessed all the characteristic variety of a scottish stream now gliding silently along or seeming to stand motionless in the crystal depth of some shaded pool now chafing and gurgling with lulling sound over its pebbly bed while its steep banks presented no less changing features in some places they were covered with wood now in the first tints of spring the formal poplars pale hue and the fringed larches tender green mingling with the red seared leaf of the oak and the brown opening bud of the sycamore in others grey rocks peeped from amidst the lichens and creeping plants which covered them as with a garment of many colours and the wild rose decked them with its transient blossoms farther on the banks became less precipitous and gradually sunk into a gentle slope covered with smooth green turf and sprinkled with trees of noble size the only sounds that mingled with the rush of the stream were the rich full song of the blackbird the plaintive murmur of the wood-pigeon and the abrupt but not unmusical note of the cuckoo gertrude gazed with ecstasy on all around and her heart swelled with delight as she thought this fair scene she was destined to inherit and a vague poetical feeling of love and gratitude to heaven caused her to raise her eyes swimming in tearful rapture to the giver of all good but it was merely the overflowing of a young enraptured and enthusiastic mind no deeper principle was felt or understood no trembling mingled with her joy no dark future cast its shadow on the mirror imagination presented to her but visions of pomp and power and wealth and grandeur visions of earthly bliss swam before those eyes which yet were raised from earth to heaven she was roused from her reverie by a deep sigh or rather groan from her mother who leant back in the carriage seemingly overcome by some painful sensation either of mind or body miss st clair was accustomed to hear her mother sigh and even groan upon very slight occasions sometimes upon no occasion at all but at present there was something that betokened an intensity of suffering too sincere for feigning you are ill mamma exclaimed she in terror as she looked on her mother's pale and agitated countenance it was some moments ere mrs st clair could find voice to answer but at length in much emotion she said is it surprising that i should feel at approaching that house from which my husband and myself were exiled nay were even denied an entrance can you imagine that i should be unmoved at the thoughts of beholding that family by whom we were rendered outcasts and whom i have only known as my bitterest enemies mrs st clair's voice and her colour both rose as she enumerated her injuries oh mamma do not at such a time suffer your mind to dwell upon those painful recollections it is natural that melancholy thoughts should suggest themselves but ah there is the castle cried the young heiress forgetting all her mother's wrongs as the stately mansion now burst upon their view and again her heart exulted as she looked on its lofty turrets and long range of arched windows glittering in the golden rays of the setting sun 
in another moment they found themselves at the entrance a train of richly liveried servants were stationed to receive them mrs st clair's agitation increased she stopped and leant upon her daughter who feared she would have fainted but making an effort she followed the servant who led the way to the presence of his lord when quickly recovering her self-possession she advanced and gracefully presented her daughter saying to your lordship's generous protection i commit my fatherless child lord rossville was a bulky portentous-looking person with nothing marked in his physiognomy except a pair of very black elevated eyebrows which gave an unvarying expression of solemn astonishment to his countenance he had a husky voice and a very tedious elocution he was some little time of preparing an answer to this address but at last he replied i shall rest assured madame make a point of fulfilling to the utmost of my power and abilities the highly important duties of the parental office he then saluted his sister-in-law and niece and taking a hand of each led them to a tall thin grey old woman with a long inquisitive-looking nose whom he named as lady betty st clair lady betty rose from her seat with that sort of deliberate bustle which generally attends the rising up and the sitting down of old ladies and may be intended to show that it is not an everyday affair with them to practise such condescension having taken off her spectacles lady betty carefully deposited them within a large work-basket out of which protruded a tiger's head in worsted work and a volume of a novel she next lifted a cambric handkerchief from off a fat sleepy lap-dog which lay upon her knees and deposited it on a cushion at her feet she then put aside a small fly-table which stood before her as a sort of outwork and thus freed from all impediments welcomed her guests and after regarding them with looks only expressive of stupid curiosity she motioned to them to be seated and replaced herself with even greater commotion than she had risen up such a reception was not calculated to call forth feelings of the most pleasurable kind and gertrude felt chilled at manners so different from the bland courtesy to which she had been accustomed and her heart sunk at the thoughts of being domesticated with people who appeared so dull and unpleasing the very apartment seemed to partake of the character of its inmates it had neither the solid magnificence of ancient times nor the elegant luxury of the present age neither was there any of the grotesque ornaments of antiquity nor the amusing litter of fashionable baubles for the eye to have recourse to lady betty's huge work-basket was the only indication that the apartment was inhabited an air of stiff propriety of splendid discomfort reigned throughout the usual and more than the usual questions were put by the earl and his sister as to time and distance and roads and drivers and inns and beds and weather and dust and all were answered by mrs st clair in the manner most calculated to conciliate those with whom she conversed till in the course of half an hour lord rossville was of opinion that she was one of the best-bred best-informed most sensible ladylike women he had ever conversed with and his lordship was not a person who was apt to form hasty opinions upon any subject lord rossville's character was one of those whose traits though minute are as strongly marked as though they had been cast in a large mould but as not even the powers of the microscope can impart strength and beauty to the object it magnifies so no biographer could have exaggerated into virtues the petty foibles of his mind yet the predominating qualities were such as often cast a false glory around their possessor for the love of power and the desire of human applause were the engrossing principles of his soul 
in strong capacious minds and in great situations these incentives often produce brilliant results but in a weak contracted mind moving in the narrow sphere of domestic life they could only circulate through the thousand little channels that tend to increase or impair domestic happiness as he was not addicted to any particular vice he considered himself as a man of perfect virtue and having been in some respects very prosperous in his fortune he was thoroughly satisfied that he was a person of the most consummate wisdom with these ideas of himself it is not surprising that he should have deemed it his bounden duty to direct and manage every man woman child or animal who came within his sphere and that too in the most tedious and tormenting manner perhaps the most teasing point in his character was his ambition the fatal ambition of thousands to be thought an eloquent and impressive speaker for this purpose he always used ten times as many words as were necessary to express his meaning and those too of the longest and strongest description another of his tormenting peculiarities was his desire of explaining everything by which he always perplexed and mystified the simplest subject yet he had his good points for he wished to see those around him happy provided he was the dispenser of their happiness and that they were happy precisely in the manner and degree he thought proper in short lord rossville was a sort of petty benevolent tyrant and any attempt to enlarge his soul or open his understanding would have been in vain indeed his mind was already full as full as it could hold of little thoughts little plans little notions little prejudices little whims and nothing short of regeneration could have made him otherwise he had a code of laws a code of proprieties a code of delicacies all his own and he had long languished for subjects to execute them upon mrs st clair and her daughter were therefore no small acquisitions to his family he looked upon them as two very fine pieces of wax ready to receive whatever impression he chose to give them and the humble confiding manner in which his niece had been committed to him had at once secured both to mother and daughter his favour and protection lady betty's character does not possess materials to furnish so long a commentary she was chiefly remarkable for the quantity of worsted work she executed which for a person of her time of life was considered no less extraordinary than meritorious she was now employed on her fifth rug the colours were orange and blue the pattern an orange tiger couchant picked out with scarlet upon an azure ground she also read all the novels and romances which it is presumed are published for the exclusive benefit of superannuated old women and silly young ones such as the enchanted head the invisible hand the miraculous nuptials etc 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 she was now in the midst of bewildered affections or all is not lost which she was reading unconsciously for the third time with unbroached delight lastly she carefully watched over a fat pampered ill-natured lap-dog subject to epilepsy and asked a great many useless questions which few people thought of answering these were the only members of the family who appeared but lord rossville mentioned that two of his nephews were on a visit in the neighbourhood and might be expected the following day since you are now madam said he addressing mrs st clair become as it were incorporated in the rossville family it is proper and expedient that you should be made acquainted with all its members i do not mean that acquaintance which a personal introduction conveys but that knowledge which we acquire by a preconceived opinion founded upon the experience of those on whose judgment and accuracy we can rely 
i shall therefore give you such information regarding the junior members of this family as observation and opportunity have afforded me and which i flatter myself may not prove altogether unacceptable or unavailing the earl paused hemmed and proceeded the senior of the two juvenile members to whom you will in all probability be introduced in the course of a very short period is lieutenant colonel frederick delmore of the nineteenth dragoons youngest son of the late lord george delmore who was second son of james duke of burlington by the marchioness of effenford widow of the deceased charles challoner marquis of effenford who died at an early period leaving one son the present augustus marquis of effenford married to the lady isabella cadrington daughter of the duke of lichfield and one daughter the present much admired countess of lymington on the other hand william henry the present duke of burlington espoused the only daughter of that illustrious statesman john earl of harley by whom he has issued one son the marquis of haslington now abroad on account of the delicate and precarious state of his health thus it happens and i hope i have made it sufficiently clear that certain members of this family are at the same time united either by consanguinity or by collateral connection of no remote degree with many and i might say with most of the illustrious families in the sister kingdom my sister the lady augusta delmore widow of the late lord george delmore at present resides in the metropolis with her three daughters one of whom is i understand on the eve of forming a highly honourable and advantageous alliance with the eldest son of a certain baronet of large fortune and extensive property in the southern extremity of the island but of this it might not be altogether delicate to say more at present colonel frederick delmore then the subject of our more immediate consideration is in himself a gentleman of figure fashion accomplishments and of very distinguished bravery in his highly honourable profession he has already had the honour of being twice slightly wounded in the field of battle and in being made very honourable mention of in the dispatches from the earl of marsham to his royal highness the commander-in-chief in these respects the dignity and untarnished honour of the noble families to which he belongs have suffered no diminution in his person but it is to his elder brother and he now turned towards miss st clair that we that is the duke of burlington and myself look as to one who is to add still greater lustre to the coronets with which he is so intimately connected to all the natural advantages accomplishments and acquirements of his brother he unites address and abilities of the highest order by means of which he has already acted a most distinguished part in the senate and bids fair to become one of the first if not the first statesmen of this or indeed of any age the earl paused as if overcome with the prophetic visions which crowded on his mind what time of night is it asked lady betty the earl recalled from his high anticipations and reminded of the lapse of time resumed his discourse but in a less lofty tone the junior member of this family whom i have now to present to you is edward lindsay esquire of linwood in this county only child of the late edward lindsay of linwood esquire and my youngest sister the deceased lady jane st clair the late mr lindsay was descended from an ancient and highly respectable family but by certain ancestral imprudences was considerably involved and embarrassed during his life insomuch that he was under the necessity of accepting a situation in one of our colonial settlements whither he was accompanied by lady jane both i lament to say fell victims in a short period to the pestilential effects of the climate leaving this young man then an infant of three years and a half old to my sole protection and guardianship how these duties were discharged it is not for me to say 
only in justice to myself i deem it right and proper to state that at the expiry of the minority the estate then was i say nothing of the means or management let these speak for themselves i simply deem it due to myself to state that the estate was then free if it is so no longer and the earl bowed and waved his hands in that significant manner which says i've washed my hands of it but his lordship took a long time even to wash his hands for he still went on there is perhaps no greater or more insuperable impediment to radical improvement in youth and it is i lament to say one of the most distinguishing characteristics of the age in which we live than a disregard for the warning voice of those who have with honour advantage and dignity arrived at that period of life when they are entitled to the meed of at least experience had mr lindsay followed the path which with infinite consideration i had marked out for him he might now by the instrumentality of those great and noble family connections he possesses have been on the high road to honour wealth distinction and self-approbation as it is he has chosen contrary to my recommendation to decline the highly advantageous situation offered to him in our asiatic dominions assigning as his sole reason that he was satisfied with what he already had and meant to devote himself to the management and improvement of his own estate a young man in his situation in life scarcely yet twenty-six years of age highly educated as i made it a point he should be and possessed of an ancient family estate by no means great and i much fear not wholly unencumbered to refuse a situation of such honour emolument and patronage mr lindsay may be a good man but it was my most anxious wish and endeavour to have made him more i would have made him had he submitted to my guidance and control i would have made him a great man the solemn and dignified silence which followed this was happily broken by the announcement of supper the evening wore slowly away for each minute seemed like a drop of lead to miss st clair who was more of an age and temperament to enjoy than to endure at length it was ended and she retired to her apartment with mingled feelings of pleasure and disappointment End of section three.